Hey, thanks for stopping by. Remember to follow The Gilded Cast on Instagram, listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. And don't forget to rate it and review it. This week, I want you to meet Sarah Lind, candidate for District 6 of the New York City Council in 2021. Here's what we talked about. Sarah Lind, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the Gilded Cast. Thank you for having me. So my first question is, are you ready? Mm-hmm. What music are you listening to these days? So I have to confess that I knew that was your first question because I've listened to all the episodes that are out. <laughs> I prepared. Um, I am just really deep into Taylor Swift these days. Um, I like the fact that she released two albums during the pandemic is just like what a treasure, national treasure. <laughs> so I definitely have to go back to like reputation sometimes because sometimes you just need something a little more like powerful. <laughs> Um, but I just feel like they, they caught the mood of being stuck inside and like kind of miserable. And like, I feel like we're all kind of reflecting on our lives right now. Right. Like what's important. What are we actually doing? Yeah, exactly. So I think it caught the zeitgeist and I was into it. Um, but then sometimes I also need something that's a little bit more upbeat. So, uh, you know, like, <laughs> this is so cheesy, <laughs> like musical soundtracks or like, um, you know, I don't know, Sia, I like when I want to feel a little bit more okay. upbeat. Yeah. There are no cheesy answers when it comes to music. <laughs> it's all fair game. This whole thing is just for me to find new music. Yeah, that's right. I'm help. So you were just talking about how Taylor Swift has captured the moment, um, the pandemic and how we're all feeling. It goes to show that the pandemic has absolutely affected so many different aspects of our life, not the least of which have been campaigning. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you and I worked together on the Clinton campaign. Which was amazing. Um, right, it was amazing. And even though we were, we didn't do too much in-person contact going door to door, we definitely had tons of volunteers come into our office. And we sent a lot of volunteers down, you know, we sent those busloads of volunteers to Pennsylvania. Um, those things aren't happening anymore. So how have you, how have you and your team had to um, adapt? Because you definitely know what a quote unquote traditional cycle and campaigning looks like. So how does how have you had to adapt and change to um, meet this moment? Yeah, I think it's important also to say, especially in the context of this podcast, where it's a lot of women, um, many of whom probably are running either against a machine or maybe just without as much institutional support. Um, I also think it's important to say that like that kind of grassroots campaigning is especially important for those kinds of campaigns, right? Um, so it's especially challenging for, for those of us running without as much institutional support. Um, and then the, the added challenge, which you didn't even bring up, is that because Donald Trump has ruined everything, you also can't run political ads on any of, you know, on any of the social platforms. So 
you know, where you might be able to, in a normal world, replace some door knocking with really like targeted digital ads, no political digital ads. I'm hoping that people who were really engaged over the 2020 cycle, now that that is, you know, wrapping up, that people will be looking for something new to get excited about. I think what we've learned, and we, I mean, we've always say this, but we've been constantly reminded over the past few years that local elections matter. Absolutely. Local elections absolutely matter. I think people underestimate how important your local government is because I think there's a few reasons why. One of them probably is the kind of decimation of local news. So that, which is a problem in many ways. Um, but you know, if, if you're getting most of your news from a CNN or an MSNBC, they're not talking about local politics because they're talking to the national audience. And look, for one thing in New York City, the city's budget is $90 billion, which is bigger than many states, you know, we're spending a lot of money and we're making decisions. The city council is making decisions about what we're spending that money on. And I think people who were engaged in the budget last cycle talked a lot about the fact that budgets are moral documents and where we spend our money matters. So you want to have a representative who, who reflects your values, who's you know weighing in on that budget and how we're spending that money. That's just one thing. I mean, and then it gets down to really little things. Like if you feel like there's some weird, you know, like a street problem in your district or the garbage isn't getting picked up enough or like really little things like that. But who your council person is matters if, you know, if those are going to get fixed or not. Going back to how you've adapted campaigning um, during this pandemic, your staff has encouraged you to um, adopt videos <laughs> as part of your campaign. Which I'm sure is a little, is a little, not odd, but takes some, takes some just getting used to. What social media or tools are you using to do that? They've been bugging me about it for a little while now, and I kept resisting. I said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to look like. I just don't know how to do this. And I was like maybe if someone could come over and like hold my hand through this, but obviously we're in COVID, so that wasn't going to work. Um, so I finally just started doing it. Uh, and it's a little awkward, but it's fun. Um, so I've been using uh, Instagram as like a primary place to put videos um, and then kind of sharing them to Facebook. And then uh, <laughs> I just got on TikTok which my nine year, 10 year old yeah. daughter is uh, very embarrassed about because she is on TikTok. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, TikTok is its own kind of world with its own, like, not rules exactly, but, you know, ways that people create contact, content on TikTok. So I've, I just posted a video, can't talk right now, doing hot girl shit. What's the hot girl stuff you're doing? My hot girl shit is I'm running for office, I'm fundraising, you know, doing call time. Um, so that one was fun to do and kind of silly. Uh, and yeah, I guess, you know, I think the thing is, is that like videos get a lot of hits, people watch them. It's more engaging than just like a text, text based um, social post. So yeah, I expect more. I'm definitely going to be doing many videos between now and June 22nd. <laughs> 
Awesome. 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 You've been involved in your neighborhood for a very long time. How long have you lived in the Upper West Side? So I've lived in the district for about six and a half years. We moved here because we were looking at a few different neighborhoods and I just love the Upper West Side. I, I don't know exactly. It's hard to put into words, but um, it just feels like home to me. I'm, I'm on the community board. Um, I'm an elected member of the school leadership team at my son's school, which is PS166. I've done just a lot of volunteering. There's some really great community organizations in the district, the West Side Campaign Against Hunger, Goddard Riverside, um, Wishfish. So a lot of different, like those kinds of organizations in the neighborhood I've done a lot of volunteering with. Um, and then more broadly, I've done a lot of stuff in the city. I was very ac active with um, getting ranked choice voting passed. So I worked with Common Cause on that, um, on the citywide participatory budgeting committee. Um, you know, I'm, I, we're members of a um, synagogue, so we've been very involved there. And it's an amazing place. The rabbi is just one of my favorite human beings. And we do, um, through the synagogue, we go and do abortion clinic escort volunteering, which I just think is amazing. Um, it's a, an incredibly powerful experience. And I love that my spiritual home is leading it. I want to lift up something you just mentioned, which is ranked choice voting. So exciting. We voted for ranked choice voting. That is what we wanted. That's, That's what New Yorkers what wanted. wanted. That is what the people wanted. Well, uh, a few council members filed a lawsuit. Yeah, um, they filed a lawsuit to delay the implementation of it. And um, many different people and groups uh, opposed that, including candidates in the, there's a special election on February 2nd. Several candidates running in that special election intervened in that lawsuit and eventually the judge threw it out. So we are going to have ranked choice voting. It's coming. They've released the ballot for the February 2nd special election. So it's very exciting. Ranked choice voting is something that you're pretty passionate about. Um, and you're also pretty passionate about um, educating voters about ranked choice voting. So all the 21 and 21 candidates um, signed a letter and then a different coalition. Um, we've committed to doing voter education about it because, you know, one of the issues that the people who filed the lawsuit to delay ranked choice voting, one issue they raised is that they felt like voters wouldn't understand it and it would be confu confusing to voters, um, which my general take on that is that it's a little bit offensive to voters, um, especially because an argument they have made is that people of color or immigrants especially won't be able to understand it, which I find pretty condescending. But on the other hand, voter education is always important and it's true. It's a new voting system. So we do need to be out there really strongly educating voters. Why are you so strongly in favor of ranked choice voting? And what do you think we should be doing now to make sure that um, that voters are able to participate with this new system in in the upcoming primaries and special elections? I believe it empowers voters to express their true preferences rather than feeling like they have to vote for, you know, kind of the lesser of two evils. Um, and then I also do think that it allows non-traditional candidates more so non-traditional candidates are more likely to get elected 
with ranked choice voting. And we've seen that in other places that have it. We've seen an increase in the election of BIPOC individuals, of women. So I'm pretty energized by this upcoming election, particularly the, the city council race. We are clearly at an inflection point. You know, I think we would have been at something of an inflection point regardless, but with COVID and what it's done to our city and to our budget, um, I think big change is on the horizon. And, you know, I think every crisis is an opportunity. So with the right new council, I think there's a real opportunity here to restructure our city, to make it work for everyone. Um, you know, especially in Manhattan, we've been seeing the kind of, let's see how to say it. We've been seeing that it has become more and more this playground for the ultra wealthy, right? Um, and is that what we want? Is that the future of the city that we want? Or do we want to make sure that Manhattan and the entire city is livable and affordable for everyone? Um, you know, do we want this education system we have now that is like failing so many students? Or can we increase funding to our schools to make sure every single school is providing an edu excellent education and, and make sure that we're actually integrating our schools rather than having you know one of the most segregated school systems in the country. How will this new city council that we're electing um, affect some of the issues closest to home to you and that you're fighting for already, that you're advocating for? I mean, there's so many answers to that question, but just one, um, homelessness has become a real hot button issue in my district. Um, and I think we have an obligation to house everyone. I think every neighborhood has an obligation to do their part in housing everyone. But I also believe that our current shelter system is not working. It's a billion dollar failure that perpetuates homelessness. So I think that the new council has an opportunity um, to take a real holistic look at the city and our housing problem and what we're going to do about it. Uh, and the speaker, Speaker Johnson, just released a plan for comprehensive planning, a proposal for comprehensive planning, um, which I'm hoping this council will take action on. But even if they do pass it, it will be the next council that's doing the work to put that plan together. I think we should be clear. So the objection to housing homeless individuals on the Upper West Side has gotten a lot of news coverage because people on the Upper West Side tend to have the resources and the media connections to make their voices heard. But every single neighborhood is housing homeless individuals, and there are elements in every neighborhood that are opposed to it, right? It needs to be right. a citywide solution. Right. Sarah Lind. What are you fighting for? I'm fighting for New York City. I, I think New York City is worth fighting for. I'm fighting for a livable, affordable, sustainable city that works for everyone. Awesome. <laughs> I've never said it that way before, but All I like right. it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much again for your time. Thank you so much for running for your candidacy and talk soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great. And thank you for doing this and elevating women candidates.